0: Hello everyone. Today my co-host Leahika and I, who some of you may know as GEO, we're very excited to talk with Sophia Alpheus as we continue exploring the behind the scenes work of becoming a geologist. In this particular episode we'll continue our conversations about graduate school.
1: Sophia is a sedimentary geologist originally from Trinidad and Tobago She's a graduate student at the Pennsylvania State University, where she's currently working on her master's degree. Her research is focused on understanding the morphodyma- dynamics of braided river systems. Through this work, Sophia is broadly interested in understanding how sedimentary systems respond to and record changes in climate, tectonics, and sea level. And I'm super excited talking to (laughs) a fellow Trini and also a fellow sedimentologist. I just want to put that out there from the start.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, me too. No, me too. Thanks for having me, you guys.
0: So welcome to the GeoTrip, Sophia. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you from the land of oil and music to the Liberty Bell? (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, like I'm Sophia, I, I'm a graduate student at Penn State. Um, I guess yeah, I could kind of went over my research interests, but um, I guess I'll answer the question about what led me down the earth science path first, and then I'll give you a glimpse of me anyway. So I I guess I knew pretty early on that I wanted to be some kind of earth scientist. Um, Uh, I, in in high school, in Trinidad, so in secondary school, I did geography, Uh, I guess, you know, um, you know how in in Trinidad, sort of, we pick subjects early on in like middle school age, kind of, Um, so geography was one of the subjects I really liked, and I also liked sciences. I remember being really fascinated by, when we learned about oxbow lakes in geography, my mind was like blown. I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like, a river would just decide to not flow the way it it regularly flows and just flow, you know, straight and cut off part of its body. I thought that was really cool. Um, And then sort of in Form 5 and in Form 6 when I was doing Cape, um, I also did geography for Cape. um, And I found that I really liked it. And I found that it came naturally to me. It was one of those subjects that I didn't have the study as hard for, because I just understood it. Like, it just felt very intuitive to me. So in my head, I was like, what could I do with just this physical geography side? Um, and of course, you know, in Googling, one of the first things that comes up is like an exploration geologist going into oil and gas. Um, so that's kind of the path I chose. I was like, I'm going to go to Penn State. So I went to Penn State for my undergrad. I did geosciences. Um, and yeah, I just, I just, liked it and continued to like it Um, and, you know, continued to kind of pursue that path. And now I'm in grad school um, doing more in this. Um, And yeah, I I like it that part, that's kind of, it it was always kind of not meant to be, but it was always something I knew I I wanted to pursue.
0: And that seems to be the story for many of us who decide (laughs) that we want to become geologists or geoscientists, it kind of happens pretty early on. They really hook you in geography, like, seriously. Yeah. geography was, like, my go-to subject, and I distinctly remember one day my teacher came in with this pamphlet of, like, careers in geoscience, and I was mm-hmm. like, wait, like, you could actually do this? <laughs> <laughs> and from then on, it was, like, already decided for me, man. So it sounds like you pretty much decided on Penn state pretty early on in the process. What, what made you go with them as your first choice?
2: Oh gosh. I swear. I, you know, I, I get answer, asked this question quite a lot of times and I, I wish it was like um, a better story, but honestly I was trying to figure out what schools I wanted to apply to. And I didn't really know, you know, from what the process was what you should be looking for. Um, and sort of one of the things I googled were one of the things sorry I googled was best schools for geosciences and the first like I don't know 10 schools or so were all like Ivy League schools or UC Berkeley or UC schools and I didn't have degrees to get into those schools like I knew that beforehand so then after those 10 schools was Penn State and I was like okay I could probably get in here so I applied and I got in and I was like all right that's where I go going.
1: <laughs> I I literally love that story because, honestly, I followed the money. I looked for the school that was giving me the best scholarship money. Um, And I took it because at the time it was six to one, which is Mm -hmm. our conversion rate. So I am with you. Um, (laughs) Which brings me to the question, right? Um, So once you discovered or decided you were going to go to Penn, I know it's been a little while, but can you walk us through what the application process as an international student was like for you?
2: Um, well, so it was a little bit different for me because I am actually a U.S. citizen. So I just had to do the out-of-state process. Um, but, you know, it was just the same general. I had to write a couple of application statements. I had taken a gap year, so I needed to write a statement as to what I did on my gap year as well, I think, if I remember. Um, and then, you know, being a junior, you had to find the SAT schools to take the SATs, you um, I had to say the SATs, like I swear I took the SATs like three times. I think my parents were so fed up of like taking me to do the exam. Um, but yeah, so I you know took the SATs, I had to write the statements, put in the application. Um, and yeah, it it was it was pretty simple for me, like I said, um, because I didn't I, I didn't have to deal with the visa issues, which like I'm really grateful for. Well.
1: So, yeah. so some of those issues that you got to escape. Um, for international yeah. students, aside from applying for your um, actual place in the university by taking your SAT and writing the required um, letters and um, getting the required references, you actually have to provide financial support documents showing that you would be able, or your family will so, be able to you, mm-hmm. and you have to go through your visa application process. So once you are admitted, your school will um, grant you an I-20 closer to your date and then you'll go to the embassy that's located in your country and you will apply for your student visa and then you would be able to kind of come across. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sophia, your journey is kind of unique. So has how has that kind of like impacted your studying? So even though you are Trinidadian with some benefits, you're still, you know, fall under the international student umbrella. So what Mm -hmm. was that like, especially like going from geography to geology, which is something I'm always battling and trying to explain to people that they are significantly different.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they both have geo in them though.
1: (laughs) Dr. Prince, really? (laughs) Sorry. I think be my mummy voice. There, voice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. I. 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 I guess I could speak to the experience of just the culture shock that came with going from or, or coming from Trinidad to the US. Like prior to coming to Penn State, I had not lived in the US for any long period of time. Um. I had not visited for any long period of time. So. It was, and honestly, sometimes it still is a giant, giant culture shock. I mean, I guess you guys, you, you all know, is like comparing Chinese with Americans. is very different. We have a, a different work ethic. Um, we have just, just our accent is so different. Getting over the, the whole accent thing is something I still struggle with every day, um, trying to like, you know, speak naturally and speak like myself and how I feel comfortable with. Um, and then also like worrying, am I talking too fast? Am I mixing up my words? Sometimes I'll switch over into dialects and people will be like, what? Like sometimes I'll just say, oh yeah, I almost killed a in the road there. And like, this is the look of like uncertainty or kind of like confusion <laughs> um, is something I I, I I still like get shocked by every really, day. Um, I don't know if this answer, answers your question. I might have been going off on a <laughs>
0: This is perfect.
2: <laughs>
1: no, it, it was literally what my question was literally asking what was, you know, an experience for you as an quote unquote international coming into a foreign education system. And I totally agree with you. Um, it was something I remember when I started my master's program. Um, I got a lot on my reviews as a lab latte. Uh, Miss mm. Welcome speaks way too quickly. I'm not sure she's speaking English. And I'm like, wait, what? what are you talking about <laughs> I didn't figure it out so I am loving this because this is the most amount of Trinidadian you know, conversation that I've been having outside of family members um actually verbally because I've been doing a lot of texting due to um mm-hmm. zoom burnout so no I am loving yeah this. oh is oh, really, real
0: it's it's hard to anticipate that because you think we speak English right and we do But then when we get here, it's like we're speaking something totally different. So Mm -hmm. this is me trying to talk clearly. And people, like for the first couple of months that I was here, I don't think anyone really understood what I was saying.
2: No. You know, what was also a big struggle for me, especially now. I don't know if people know where Penn State is. Penn State is literally in the middle of Pennsylvania. It's a very beautiful place. There's lots of trees, lots of life swirls everywhere sure amazing but nowhere i could never find trini food i could barely even find caribbean food i don't even know if i could find jute seasoning in the grocery like that was one of the biggest struggles that i've had so i've literally had to like go back and try to learn to make you know macaroni pies two chicken doubles all of the trini things that i kind of need to sustain me especially over this last year Mm -hmm. i um like, that has been a big, big, like, change and culture shock that I still, like, try to get used to. I only found state um, soulfish in State College last week, and I've been here for almost five years now. <laughs> it's so funny. I,
0: so I have, I have to ask, do you have the staple for surviving in America, the Naparima Girls Cookbook?
2: okay so my mother don't like that cookbook
0: <laughs> you know what my mother doesn't either but yeah kind of comes
2: in yeah. we used to have it and then my mother decided she didn't like it so now is always every time I want to cook something like, mommy how to make this mommy how to make that um
1: <laughs> Shout out. I mean I, I own the book cookbook and I do definitely like quinge and you know change around the recipes mm-hmm. but i am not supporting the controversial not liking of the cookbook i just want to make that play a shout,
0: shout out to trinity cooking with natasha real quick saving a lot of lives to a new oh good yeah boy real and food. caribbean
2: pot on youtube Oof.
1: oh and don't forget trinity eater food oh my goodness oh yes, yes. shout out to trinity eater food he has some amazing during this covid year he has he has saved he has saved my household
2: Listen, I made hot cross buns from that website the other day for for Good Friday, and I hadn't had a hot cross bun in so long, I swear I was going to cry, saving my life.
1: But yeah. just before we go on to actually talk about your research, just a heads up, because um, my sister's actually located at UPenn. There are some places close to actual UPenn that sells ingredients for Caribbean food and curry and um, jerk seasoning and salt fish and provisions. So just a heads up, I could give you that information offline.
2: <laughs> oh gosh, yes. yeah, I definitely will take that from you.
1: Yeah, the struggle is real. I lived, I lived in Golden, Colorado, so I know what it was not finding anything in the grocery store.
0: Yeah, shout out from Waco, Texas. That was oh, that was rough. Take one,
1: take one, for sure.
0: <sighs> so um, tell me, Sophia, switching gears a bit, uh, about your current research.
2: Yeah, so um, I short story short um I study rivers I specifically um have spent a lot of time in the last couple of years or the last year and a half I guess um studying braided rivers and what I'm really interested in is understanding how the dynamics of a system understanding how a river changes in time um how, how our river just you know migrates across the surface of the earth during during its active lifespan, I, I'm really interested in understanding how those changes and how those morphodynamic processes um, get recorded in stratigraphy um, and and in the in the sedimentological record. So I've spent a lot of time over the last year doing these sort of simulations of rivers. Um, and it's these computer simulations and they just simulate river flow and you can input you know, the same sort of characteristics that would kind of dictate the way a river would flow in the real world. Um, and I use those simulations to reconstruct the stratigraphy um, uh, of different like cross sections across the river. And then I compare those with stuff that we might see in modern rivers so I compare you know the kind of kinematics that we see in the rivers in the modern to to the modern record and then I also compare the stratigraphic product to what we might see in the ancient stratigraphic record and what I'm hoping to do with that is kind of make a linkage between what we observe in the ancient um, or the processes that create what we observe in the ancient and those processes that occur in the modern that we could like extrapolate in time and sort of bridge the time gap of sort of what we could observe on the modern and what actually gets preserved in in the ancient record
1: so by morphodynamics or river morphodynamics you're pretty much talking about like studying the river bed forms in response to like erosion and sedimentation is that what you mean feel free to correct me um (laughs) make sure we're on the same page (laughs)
2: yeah yeah so I'm, i'm i'm thinking about how the deposits might move on the bed so how the bed forms grow how the bars grow, how the channel migrates through time, um, and that kind of thing. And then also how that operates in tandem with how, in tandem with how that might change if we were to increase discharge in the system or change the climate or drop sea level, or, um, you know, have some sort of increase in sediment supply. Um, So those, those kind of morphological processes. I'm interested in how those get preserved in the record.
0: So tell me, um, sounds really interesting, but kind of why is this important, this linking of past and present? Is there some kind of practical reason for pursuing this kind of study?
2: Um, There are lots um, of reasons I I could probably think of, Um, but one of the things that I find particularly interesting about this is just sort of understanding the, I think one of the things that I think particularly motivates me is sort of understanding how rivers respond to how the riverbed and the river itself kind of responds to these changes in discharge or like a change in sediment supply. And particularly how sensitive the river system is to that. And, you know, what, and I'm hoping to maybe get at an understanding of, you know, how, what is the tendency of a river to flood or of a river to widen and erode the floodplain um, in response to different discharge conditions or different, you know, like an increased sediment supply from the hills, hill slopes. And there are, I guess, a lot of ways that this could probably impact humans. I think about people living in floodplains um, the, you know, that could be prone to flooding and, and that flooding risk might change or the susceptibility of that system might change. Climate change, um, and also you know, in in hillslopes that are kind of being degraded, not degraded, um, but sort of like eroded and worn away, um, and and how that sediment supply change might affect the sensitivity of a river to just regular storms and increase its propensity to flood or its propensity to relocate or of um, and those sort of things become our actual hazards for people living in in floodplain areas. So that's like the most, I guess, close. Um, parallel or, or impact um, of my work or my research interests.
0: Yeah, sounds of like critical importance <laughs> because so many people live in floodplains. Actually,
1: no, it, it's great stuff she's working on because when you think about like river management um, and prediction of erosion and sedimentation processes, like you said, Dr. Prince, so many people. Uh, are impacted and affected by this and have been I mean we could think of very recently what happened in Texas annually what happened in Louisiana um Alabama and even like on our own front at home in the Caribbean what it means Mm -hmm. for those who didn't necessarily know that they purchased housing on a floodplain and I'm super stoked hearing her talk about this because I kind of work on something similar so I'm like yeah Yes, bring the fluvial. <laughs>
2: oh gosh, we have to have like a whole like sediment geology ripple, just a separate discussion.
1: <laughs> We're
0: gonna kick Doctor Prince out one day and do and definitely yeah, do. And, and do. just and talk sand. <laughs> you know carbonates, yeah. We we don't we don't mess with that stuff.
2: <laughs> this is a sand only <laughs> club, guyron
1: Sorry. No,
0: but... hey, reciprocal sedimentation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But no, this work is so fundamental and it's so interesting, especially when you think about trying to tease out climatic signatures so that we could better understand climate change. And I love what you just kind of mentioned in terms of the people, because that's something I've really been focusing heavy on. Um, mm-hmm. Vulnerable communities, how are those who are underserved or underrepresented who exist in these areas? How do they understand the risk? uh, How's that communicated and educated to them? And the only way Mm -hmm. we can really do that is by ourselves getting a better understanding or a better hold of the topic as geologists, as earth scientists, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah, no, I completely, completely agree. All
0: right, so one more question from me um aside from the technical aspects because it certainly sounds like you've gotten your hands dirty very quickly with a lot of research what else has graduate school taught you so far
2: it's taught me a lot about myself just as a person and how I handle difficult situations or challenges um it's also I guess taught me that I need to trust myself a little bit more because you know I don't know about y'all, but like entering grad school, I was, I I had to deal with a lot of imposter syndrome, and like even even still now. But I think like, you know, as you go on and as you see the things that you've done, or as at least I go on and I see the things that I've learned and that I've been able to achieve. You know, the things that maybe a year ago I was like, oh, Sophia, I don't know how you're gonna do that. You know, I like. I think you should just, I, this is too much. And, and just looking back now, like things like learning to code or like lots of nice graphs in Python, um, you know, just it, it has taught me to just one, trust that I am able to learn difficult things. And then two, trust that what I have done is good quality and it, it like deserves the space that it holds. Um, is, is something that I, I've, I've learned a lot. And it's, it's like, I think that's a big lesson that I really, really
1: value. It's so interesting that you've mentioned that because I have definitely been at battling and I'm still battling with imposter syndrome. And it's so funny because prior to grad school, I didn't really ever like think about or tell myself I couldn't accomplish or get things done. Um, it wasn't until I started really getting into research and sometimes feeling like I was flailing about or feeling that imposter syndrome ever became, I have definitely been able or been working on that. And so I guess what I will ask you or like to hear from you, um, aside from like imposter syndrome or developing that, what would you say has been something or anything that you have learned um or has excited you since starting your graduate program, or you would even like to change about um, since ex- beginning your graduate program or your experience?
2: I would say that um, I don't think there's anything that I would particularly, like particularly drastic that I, I would change. I think one of the things I would have liked to have known early on is um, that time management is important, and time management being time for school, but also time for me, um, and time for, you know, other things. I I I took a little while to learn the healthy balance between, like, you know, when is working late, not fair to myself or not good for my body versus, you know, when is it, you know, you feel like, I don't know, sometimes you feel like you're working away as a problem. And it's just like, you could just sit behind your laptop, just type in for for hours and hours. And then it feels organic, versus sometimes you'll just be like, oh, I have to work until, I don't know, like nine o'clock today, or I have to work all Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's taken me a little bit, a, a little bit of time, I think, just learning to gauge, or learning to gauge when my time is being best spent on work versus when my time is being unhealthy to me or when I just deserve rest. Um, so I wish that was something I definitely learned earlier on um, but I'd like to think that I know it now <laughs> even though time is kind of a contract right now with COVID but you know, I, I'd like to think it still applies
0: coming into graduate school from my undergrad. So I did my undergrad here in the US as well. Went to a small geology department at a school in California. Mm -hmm. And making the transition, I knew I wanted to kind of get into oil and gas. Um, So I figured Texas was it. I find this uh, applied petroleum studies program. And I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm going. And then I get there and realize like, wow, like, y'all know this? I'm supposed to know this? We, everyone but me knows this? Um, that's kind of where I first kind of felt those pangs of, man, I don't feel-
2: i like, behind.
0: Yeah, I don't feel like I fit in here. Like, I don't belong here. And that's been something that has kind of stuck with me through grad school. I think that coming into a PhD, getting involved in research and kind of producing something gives you a little more reassurance. But yeah, that that definitely was an adjustment. And that time management is is huge. Like knowing when you've done enough for that day. Your advisor yeah. may not think <laughs> or agree with you, but it's really important to kind of get to know yourself and be honest. And not just honest, but be kind with yourself. Like mm-hmm. goes such a long way. It's it's really a marathon, not a, not a sprint.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then there's also, I don't know, sometimes I feel like there's the flip side of that where it's just like, you know, I'll I'll read one paper and I'll be like, okay, Sophia, you did enough for today. It's so great, amazing. I'm so glad you did all of this work. You are killing it. Um, and and then that's also like a discipline that i had to learn too, where it's like Sophia yeah you read one paper but you also have other stuff to do you can't just sit around and watch like Love Island for the rest of the day um or for the rest of the week and just call it like you know you'll catch up the time later um so yeah just time and discipline is something that I am I I've learned a lot about over the past over like my time in grand school and I think I I even now I continue to to modify my understanding of of how my time is best spent Um, yeah I don't know I think that's real important because there have been times where just like I just have felt like time has been slipping away from me um you know with doing work or not doing work so I think just finding that balance is something that you know I I wish I had learned maybe earlier on but at the same time like you have to learn learn sometimes (laughs) just for me not maybe not everybody but you know Sometimes sometimes to me, I I was that child that like, your mother would tell you, Sophia, don't play with the stove, Sophia, don't play with the stove, Sophia, don't play with the stove. And the only way I would learn to not play with the stove is to go and burn my hand. So, you know, that might work for everybody, but um, for me, sometimes that's what I need.
1: I feel like we are the same person right now because... I totally agree with everything you said, and it's honestly a little bit comforting, especially as someone who's still working on her graduate degree. We're not all as lucky as Dr. Prince right now, Um, but it's comforting to hear that it is to some degree a universal struggle, especially if you fall into like first gen or international categories, or even if you are, you know, from an area, but no one around you has really pursued this path before. There's a lot you really don't know. And, you know, asking for help, allowing yourself to brace, time management. These are all life skills that we're learning and experiencing and burning through, right? Yeah. (laughs) I guess to close up our official part, I'm going to say or ask you, what's one piece of advice you would give to other students wishing to enter the field of biology
2: or earth sciences um wish to enter right i think one thing that i would maybe one piece of advice that i find particularly valuable i guess is to be broad um, and be open to you know the, the earth is just so interdisciplinary like you you can't just it's so easy to be like ooh, i want to go down this one straight road but I think being able to gain that perspective of multiple different subfields of geosciences, and just getting a feel for what you're into, into, and what you're interested in. Like, I, I changed interests maybe every semester in undergrad. I don't know. I, 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 I am also a very fickle sun, But, um, you know, I think allowing myself that space to, to just explore, I think is, is really valuable. Um, and I think also on the topic of allowing oneself to do things. I think being patient and kind to yourself is is really, really important. And it feels sometimes in the geosciences, like, or, you know, this might be for every science, I don't know, um, but but sometimes learning feels like there's such a steep learning curve, especially in the geosciences. Like that first time you got into the field, everything is a blue, that first time you open up paper on, the physics of something is like a million different differential and integration science, and you just don't understand. And it feels it feels like kind of, sometimes it feels like you're not making progress or sometimes it feels like you just don't have the chops to learn or don't have the chops to understand, um, you know, something or something it just seems really unbearably hard. I think being patient with yourself and allowing yourself like the grace to not know and and just kind of slowly walk up that very steep learning curve, and, and slowly sort of learn the things that you need to understand something fully. Something that you mightn't seem, something that you mightn't think you would understand, I think is, is is very important to remember that, you know, you're in this to learn. If you knew everything, you would be like, I don't know, Dr. Friend. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> if, if, if we knew everything, then we wouldn't need to be here learning or doing the research that we're doing. So, Yeah. I think be broad and be patient and and find with yourself
1: i love that because yeah sometimes you definitely can feel overwhelmed especially when there's so much to learn so much to know and the way that things are so connected right that's what's the mm-hmm. beauty of geology it's been amazing talking to you so far uh we just like to wrap up with a very critical session that we have <laughs> called hot potato are you oh, ready <laughs> oh gosh okay
2: well how does this work
1: don't worry about it you have to trust me <laughs> let, let me know if you trust let me know if you trust my river braiding capabilities
2: <laughs> you know what trini the trini i will allow you this i trust you let's go
1: <laughs> oh, question one what's the song you blast when you need to turn your day around
2: international players on them by UGK.
1: <laughs>
0: Love
1: it, love it. I love it. What three toppings must you have on your doubles? And for those of you who don't know, doubles is pretty street food that you have to try whenever you get the opportunity to visit Trinidad and Tobago. But yeah, what are your three toppings that you must have?
2: Sweet sauce, shadow bennie sauce, and it's a pro-topic. Yes. Okay, sliced I don't know how some people is like give on. That's um, like the channel, the doubles.
0: <laughs> uh, cucumber, pepper, yeah, yeah, all those count.
1: Mm-hmm. As, as long as you don't like blasphemously say chicken, I'm good with that. Pepper counting as a topic. <laughs> I
2: have never tried those meat doubles, so I can't. I couldn't even.
0: I haven't worked up the confidence to try roasted um, <laughs> doubles yet, so.
2: You have to get like a little bit of roast, like a chunksy bit. You just gotta tell the double spoon, just shake the little pepper spoon, just a little bit. Because if they put too much, I don't know, it's gonna handle it.
0: You know, I'm kind of ashamed to say now, but I used to be a slight pepper kind of guy Um, recently. Uh, i'm going down to no pepper
2: (laughs) i don't know
0: i don't know i don't know once you're not sweating
2: you're not doing
0: it right like i don't know like maybe you know the time not eating doubles consistently like i'm losing my capabilities here i'm losing i'm losing my (laughs) my one of
1: the um one of the um stripes from your flag there buddy because
0: i don't know (laughs) Mm. I, i feel it i feel it all right so let me ask really important Really, really important. There's, like, choosing between Trinidad or Tobago. But we're going to present your ready choice. KFC or Royal Castle?
2: No, 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 no. That's, like, I would take say KFC, but a Royal Castle three-ring combo is, like, life. And Royal Castle Honey Mustard, life. You can't, you can't put one against each other.
0: It's the That's unfair. oh my oh, god!
2: Congratulations yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on this episode
1: with the Royal Castle
2: zombie
0: <laughs> This the is what it's called hot
1: potato. Hard choices in life. <laughs>
2: Ooh, I would I would say KFC has more
1: breath. Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. Mm.
1: No, that, Royal pa- that Royal Castle Pepper has hooked me so.
0: Royal, Ooh, Castle, that
2: Royal Pe- Castle Pepper.
0: Undefeated, you know.
2: Champion mm. of general.
1: You can buy it at Pierco Airport for ten dollars.
2: <laughs> of course you can. Ten what US or TT show is US?
1: I honestly
0: can't remember. <laughs> yeah, $10, something really cheap. It's probably $10 US. <laughs> I didn't oh, even know you could so do that. Bad. Wow. All right. And um, I guess what are you watching right now? What are you binging?
2: I am rewatching Modern Family right now. I am looking for shows. If you have suggestions, I am open to them.
0: But yeah, I'm on season five of Modern Family. Whoop, whoop, Pam or Okay, I have lots Mom, of suggestions. Of course. Questions. Lots of suggestions, but people
2: don't
0: like my suggestions. <laughs> I like weird stuff.
2: Black like how weird?
0: Um, so my students encouraged me to start watching anime recently. So uh-huh. Knocked Out, Naruto, Attack on Titan. They, they had to encourage me to go back after the first episode. And I'm glad they did because it's freaking awesome. Uh, what else do we have? Naruto's pretty
1: sweet though. I love me some Naruto and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. I've
2: watched a couple of episodes of Dragon Ball Z, but I was not a big cartoon fan. I'm yeah. graduating up to anime. I don't know. Maybe I'll get there Who knows?
1: I was like, ma'am, there's a difference, but we don't have time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Naruto is a good one to start with. Nah, and it's a long one so you'll mm-hmm. run out of episodes anytime soon if you're looking for something on netflix connected love that is like this. i love connected Free. Connected was good yeah, I, I knew i felt a spark
2: <laughs> you yeah. felt connected
0: love that love uh love that and robots is this short until ontology series. Mm-hmm. fantastic stuff what else on netflix is good like yeah, I
1: love I love documentaries. So right now I'm making my way through the college admission scandal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Did you watch the one with the odd heist? Um, this is a rub- this is not a robbery or something like that. It was very good.
1: Yeah, and um, on my to watch list next if I ever get through the college admission scandal because I'm actually doing. <laughs> A lot of writing or trying to do a lot of writing right now is yes. Sam so I'm, that's on my list to watch
0: Ooh.
1: Um, so yeah if you if you want documentaries I can send you down the rabbit hole with that
2: <laughs> I might
1: hit you up I might hit you up but oh my gosh this has been great so far uh, this was so much, so much fun
0: so thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Geotrip Sophia it's been wonderful having you
2: Thank you for having me. This was fun. I got to talk to Renee for a whole hour on a Friday. Wow. Amazing.
0: (laughs) It's almost like we're in Smokies and Bunties.
2: It almost is.
1: Yes, exactly. The original (laughs) one, huh? Because it's cheap. Yes, (laughs) Yes, the
0: original. (laughs) All right. So if you're interested in asking us any questions regarding geology or a journey, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at The GeoTrip and uh Sophia if you'd like you can share your socials as well if you'd like uh, people to follow along
2: um well I would have to spell it but it's um it's uh at Sophia underscore Alpheus on Twitter that I think that's it it. yeah that's it that's
0: it and please stand by for the national anthem